This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, we're getting the band back together to catch each other and the listening audience up on all of our lives adventures. In true Luke Summers form, he reminds us that no overseas CrossFit football trip can occur without some kind of ridiculous story. John also checks in to confirm that raising kids is still as complicated as advertised. He recently welcomed his third perfect offspring into this world, sweet little boy, Cash Wellborn. And me, I finally get an opportunity to sync up with the guys and discuss how I've been keeping busy for the past seven months. Trials, tribulations, training, and talking shit about techs. When the Power Athlete crew gets together without him, one thing is guaranteed. We will take advantage of his absence, and jokes will be made at his expense. It's officially spring, and unless you're really into gardening, that doesn't mean anything to you. This is episode 149. And three. Oh, just do it. <laughs> just rip the goddamn thing. <laughs> Power Athlete Radio, what is up? You are tuned in and ready to rock. You are with Luke at Power Athlete HQ and John, the emperor, the man with the tablets and all the rules on them. The 42, it's the 42 commandments now, if I'm <laughs> not mistaken, right? No, there's only one. Oh, okay. He's an that? emperor now. That's uh, I, I can't tell you because I told you that. Okay. And then, if you could hear uh, the ga- the laughing and the uncontrollable <laughs> building and nothing that's even funny, uh, we have, we are graced. And finally, Ingo, your, all of your prayers have been answered. Callie, back <laughs> on the podcast. Callie, oh, please. So what this podcast is, is a check-in with Callie. We're going to hear all about her adventures. She just saved a guy from a tree or something. <laughs> Not true. And we're going to catch up on um, Tex and Mai's adventure in Belfast. And then just, well, I don't know. I'd like to also hear about uh, some serious life changes. Like you going to India. Mm-hmm. And, then also, <laughs> and then also we had a kid. So I mean, it's not yeah, really as big as going to India or anything else. But it's kind of a yeah, big deal in my life. Yeah, Luke, how was your Eat, Pray, Love trip with Tex? It was pretty good. We were we were chasing, what's the movie about the dancing pants or the running one? No, like, I, uh, oh, it's, the tra- traveling pants. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the, um, I thought you guys were reliving the Yeah, Yeah, Sisterhood, but it's actually <laughs> uh, the band of the traveling pants. Yeah, that's what, what we did. Yeah. Uh, what did Tex's pants look like on you? Like, uh, they're, they're surprisingly, they're loose. <laughs> Tex wears smaller pants than me, but he's a... Uh, a waist was 36, inseam 20, 36, 20. <laughs> I, I thought those were capri pants at first, and then he put them on, and they were actually uh, stacking up on his boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poor Tex isn't online to, uh, to defend himself, so let's just bash him the whole time. Oh, yeah, I mean, dude, it Sounds takes good. to get back to the Shire. So, I mean, <laughs> no, we had, a, so we had a seminar this past weekend in Belfast uh, at Reebok CrossFit in Northern Ireland, whatever it was. It is, but uh, uh, we've been there like three times. And the crazy thing is, John, you went like four years ago or five years ago, right? It was the first time out in Belfast. Yes. And, uh, and it has since changed as uh, you guys may or may not know that, you know, as the, the, they call it the troubles between, uh, you know, the, the loyalists and the Protestants. The political and the climate yeah, has changed. Significantly, yeah. And uh, all, there used to be a ton of street art out there that was, I mean, how would you describe it? Well, not necessarily, so, but militant? And- uh, yeah, so when we first went, there was a huge mural painted on the wall. I mean, it had to be like 40 feet by like 50 feet on this huge wall. <coughs> that was a, a loyalist deal. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere I have a picture. It, I think it's on CrossFit football. I, I, tried, I tried to go and get everybody to go stand in front of it to get this fucking amazing picture because it was this crazy fucking mural. And half of the dudes wouldn't stand in front of it to have yeah. the picture taken. And I was yeah. like, and they were like, well, you know, and they, they kind of explained to me the history. And I was like, you know, fuck that shit. Yeah. I was like, you know what? <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't really realize really like um, how, how deep-seated how deep the tension between, yeah. uh, you know, the, uh, the Irish and, uh, or, uh, you know, like Northern Ireland. But you got to remember three or four years ago, they had a legitimate deal on the table to become their own country mm-hmm. and they shut it down. Right. 
So like I, I was always kind of surprised thinking like, well, if they shut it down and they didn't want to separate, then why are they still angry about the deal? I mean, you know, about the occupation and this, mm-hmm. I mean, but you're also talking about literally hundreds yeah, of, of just hundreds like of years. But yeah. in, and you could still, so we were there, uh, well, just to kind of jump back to that mural, they've since painted it over with like uh, uh, one, you know, all, all of that street art has been covered and it's now more about like peace and, and patronage and shit like that. So it's, it's still like, it's, it's better, you know, and uh, Andy at, at uh, uh, our host at the seminar kind of gave us some history and, stuff and, he's, and he was kind of just filling us in, like still in the summertime though, as people like are more out and about and doing things, uh, certain areas will paint their curbs either green, white, and gold or uh, blue, white, and red. And even in certain areas, like all the cars and the clothing that you see is blue, white, or red, or it's, you know, green, white, and gold. And mm-hmm. it's just like uh, people still kind of have that pride within them. And uh, being that it was, you know, the Protestants versus the Catholics and everything, it was St. Paddy's Day when we were there. Literally, we flew in on St. Patrick's Day. So big Irish celebration right in city center. And sure enough, like, there's the Irish pride. People are wrapped in Irish flags and Irish face paint and stuff. And then you have loyalist protests who are loyal to the crown, yeah. you know, standing there with uh, the bars and the, and just, like, you can feel the tension. And I'm like, Tex, we shouldn't go in the middle, but we should stand here and watch to see what the fuck happens because riot patrol is out, the armored cars. Where'd you guys fly into? Uh, I So Tex flew into the international airport. I flew into the local airport since okay. I flew from Heathrow. He flew from Newark. Gotcha. So the airport's there. But, um, you know, it was what was funny is like you could see all the fucking riffraff out there. These kids were, had to have been, Kelly, they're like, 13, 14 years old. It's a good age. Just drunk. Yeah, why, what's with drunk. the Cali? <laughs> because Cali. I, I think I've told John the story. Uh, okay. It's just like, so So they're like stirring up all this shit. And then all the people who are kind of are protesting for on behalf of the crown and everything mm-hmm. are mu- like much older individuals. Were you like amid all that tension? Were you, you and Tex just look at each other and you're like, we need to be drunk immediately? Well, okay, well Tex is wearing cowboy boots. That boy had. I think Luke was wearing like Bermuda shorts and a polo. Yeah, so I had so it's thirty degrees now. I had come from Sri Lanka to meet an old pal who's also a power athlete disciple uh, out in Sri Lanka and was uh, on, spreading the gospel say, out at the farthest reaches of the world. Just let's just say it was a long few days mm-hmm. in Colombo, right. and uh, I was on basically a twenty-four hour travel day. Uh, everything from rickshaw to tuk-tuk moped to uh, to air flight and uh didn't you pay some guy to ride on his back a certain way too no <laughs> me john oh, oh. <laughs> the the, Lankan, the Lankan locals are, are very frail individuals but anyway, <laughs> so i'm i was already hung over and drunk basically Callie, i guess is what i'm getting at and i'm like this is going to be madness and uh as we try to kind of walk around nothing ever amounted but i guess as we walked away and we're looking for the saint patrick's day parade a riot erupted and they fucking mm-hmm. asked them and fucking yanked a bunch of people out standard yeah but uh we were all we were already <clears throat> up at that point and just celebrating the, the saint patrick's day was it still cold as shit there because i think oh. when i went like a year and a half ago it was like i've never been so cold to the bone like in my life no andy was telling us about it and uh i believe tex was on jack street and you were on the leaning protocol oh yeah uh, it was great timing for yeah me. exactly but uh, no it was the same and i so i'd forgot so the only jump or the only hoodie i had i'd spilled on during saint patrick's day <laughs> uh and i forgot to pack my jeans did you and, spill your own vomit on it uh, no, come on. Oh. I'm a, I'm a pro Callie. Let's go. Okay. Uh, but, uh, so I had no fucking coat and no pants. So I was wearing a t-shirt and shorts in <laughs> weather, walking through the streets of downtown, uh, downtown Belfast. And these dudes just in Texas in cowboy boots, Wranglers and like, uh, you know, a leather jacket with a whip and a fucking cowboy hat, you know, yeah, Indiana that's how, Jones. as the story goes. Um, and these guys just stop us and like, Hey, where are you from? And I'm like, uh, we're from the States. And like, oh, we were thought you were Canadian. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, like, That's kind of an insult itself. Yeah, and you're like, well, you look like an asshat with no fucking warm clothes on. And this guy's got cowboy boots on. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And they turned out their local hockey team. And they kind of pointed us in the right direction. But it was cold, yeah. And that first day of the seminar, uh, you know, they rolled the door up so the <laughs> warm air from outside could 
warm up, but the warm air is like 32 degrees. The yeah, figure that out. 28 oh. degrees. So it was, uh, it was quite chilly, yeah. But it was a good crew. I mean, good crew, people eager to learn, uh, you know. Could you understand any of the introductions? I remember when we were doing that. Uh, we went around the room and uh, honestly I, I told him straight up after everyone finished I said I'll, I'll be straight up with you I only understood about 30% of what all of you guys said that's not an exaggeration yeah Kelly the, the shirts kind of changed a little bit we don't let the attendees talk anymore oh okay oh that's good that's so a good no change. questions no disagreeing and if you <laughs> open your mouth we're going to come over full speed and just spear you yeah, yeah that's good Tate office linebacker yeah. <laughs> nice all of a sudden, you scream. You're like, this is CrossFit football. What am I? Let me fucking kick to the chest. That's good. So, uh, what have you been up to for the past year and a half? Uh, I have also been traveling the world, uh, Sri Lanka. I went there probably a little bit before you. You know, just did everything a little bit. All of my world travels are a little bit more exciting than yours, probably. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. Just been up in Seattle. Uh, went to the police academy up here and started my career in law enforcement. So, that's pretty much it. Tell us some trials and tribulations. What have you learned about yourself since, uh, since being in the Academy? Uh, oh my God. Trials and tribulations, man. I don't want to get on a serious note, but uh, I don't know. Uh, training and trying to manage like a job that's not training is difficult, but yeah. it's, you know, I think it's something that we always have talked about is I just didn't want to become like a hypocrite. So I prioritize training big time. So whether, whether that meant like waking up at 4am and doing it, you know, doing the grind on your own, you, I just refused to be a hypocrite when it came to all that stuff. So that was interesting, but I mean, obviously entering that field is completely new and fascinating on so many levels and extremely challenging. So it's, uh, it's just nuts. That's why I like the job because there's, there's absolutely nothing easy about it. There's not a single part of anything that I've done through my training or, through anything that I've experienced now um, after and being on, on the road, that's easy. There's nothing easy about it. So like, like, fuck, what a great, like, what a great challenge every day. There's something different. So that's, I mean, that's what I like, but uh, in terms of compare it to uh, like the, at least the Academy experience, it was like almost five months long for all of you guys who have done like the CrossFit football seminar, you know what it's like to have to be on for two days or maybe more depending on, you know, like being with the hosts and stuff. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, but for like four and a half months. Yeah. Which I'm surprised you made it. I know. Me too. <laughs> me too. I, <laughs> just I like go home and cry. You were like, ah. Yeah. Because I was in a leadership position, I didn't have any choice to like, you know, it's like you just, you can't like just disappear into like the, the background and just be like, ah, just another day, like get in there and grind. No. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that, that I'm sure you guys can relate to like just the exhaustion and just you know, added pressure of like, you know, if you fail something, you fail it. You guys know my struggles with firearms. Yeah. That's not, you know, that's not a surprise to you. I failed my, one of my first firearms uh, exams. And so upon John's and your advice, you know, just become obsessed, get better, train and uh, you know, eventually overcame that. But yeah, it's just like, con like, that's just like the constant every day was just like a seminar. <laughs> you know, uh, um, uh, Jeff Gonzalez does a bunch of shooting courses and stuff. And I, I, uh, if he's in the area or anywhere close, you should definitely go train with him. Absolutely. He, Love to. he threw that out to you. Or when I mentioned mm -hmm. you were on the Academy that he threw that out. So I yeah. mean, that, that was really good. I mean, he took, uh, just in one day, he took guys that had never really shot or Luke had shot, but not really been proficient with a pistol. And Ben, mm -hmm. who I think, um, yeah, he's like a Call of Duty expert. Yeah, yeah, Ben was the only shooting he'd ever done is um, yeah, Call of Duty. But actually got these guys proficient enough to where, you know, they can draw and shoot from a holster and be able to do, like, you know, kind of, you know, just basic, you know, Mozambique type stuff. I mean, just even to yeah. the body, be able to shoot, like, proficient enough that if you didn't know them, you would think that they actually knew what the fuck they were doing on some level. So yeah, he's pretty good at that. I mean, he's, he's a really good instructor. And he goes, I want to I want to get with Jeff and you guys at some point. I think it'd be fun to go through like some tactical scenarios because that's the stuff that I really like. The dynamic stuff, like yeah, it's cool to even if it's just short range, but it's really fun for me because when you're like most of most of those uh, those situations are going to be like close quarters, mm -hmm. and so I I like that dynamic moving moving and shooting. Um, 
or even like something a little more active from long range. If once I qualify with like a long gun or something, that could be really fun. And it's just have you qualified with a with a rifle? I can't until I get off of um, probation. probation. In terms of like running and gunning and being able to do transitions and move, I mean, I was I I got a you know, and I think I told you guys, you know, when I went out and trained with the guys from uh, Team Four. You know, we were down at Mid South and basically shot, you know, something like you know twelve thousand rounds in six days. Uh, you know, yeah. shooting, you know, running facades here and there. You know, basically we read, we had like a hundred yard facade, which were basically windows and targets, and you basically run in two man teams. And and it was by far the most fun I've ever had in my life in terms mm-hmm. of shooting weapons. Pretty much the most fun I've ever had ever. Uh, but uh, like that type of stuff where you're actually working to like engage targets and working with people and like. You know how to how to like shoot around walls, climb up, and be able to you know like the you know on the facade. The very first one is basically you, you shoot two shots from inside of a car, so there's mm-hmm. no window, and you have to take shots from a car, and you have to get out and you run basically two man teams down, taking targets, and uh, uh, you know that type of stuff is is to me is by far the most meaningful things. But the problem is if you haven't developed a good skill base, right? You know, I mean, just you know, and like I told you my my experience going and getting my CCW here in California was uh, by oh, far God, the most yeah, scary experience that I've ever had in my life with any weapons. So I go to this class, and, you know, they, they make you go to a certain amount of uh, classroom time, and then the second day you go to classroom time, and then you call on the third day. So I'm sitting in this class, and, like, the instructor's asking really just basic questions, like, uh, you know, going through, like, you know, use of force, and, you know, if you come up, like, you know, just basically if you've ever done any post-certified type stuff, uh, you know, would just be no-brainers. And... Um, so we get in and, uh, you know, the guy, uh, asked a question. He asked like the first guy, like, well, like what kind of holster do you carry? And the guy was like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, I mean, how are you going to carry your weapon? And the guy's like, well, on my hip. And he's like, on your hip? In my underpants like, like a like, boss. And he's like, well, like a cowboy, I'm going to carry it on my side. And he's like, you know, California's not an open. Open carry. State. Yeah. Right. Open carry state. And the guy like looked at him and he goes, sir, uh, do you have any firearm experience? And the guy's like, well, I bought a gun about 35 years ago but I've never fired it and I've never shot a weapon. And the guy and the instructor was like, why are you here at a CCW class? Mm-hmm. A weapon. He said, well, I thought it would be a good idea to apply for this first. Um, and he goes, well, how many guns do you own? The guy said, well, I own a few hundred guns. What the fuck? I first bought my first handgun 35 years ago and I've been collecting them ever since, but never fired. Okay. Right. So I'm sitting in this class being like, Holy shit. So we go through and the guy asked me, I'm like, uh, I got, um, you know, kind of inside the waistband, uh, what kind of guns you have? I kind of went through it. He's like, okay. And then we go through and he goes, anybody here ever fired your gun without your protection? I raised my hand. I'm like, yeah, fucking numerous times. Not a single person raised their hand. He's like, well, you know, do you honestly believe that if you are in a stressful situation where you might have to use your weapon, you're going to have time to put an ear pro? And not a single one of those person, people that ever thought about it, right? So, I mean, I, I go through this thing and like, you know, I, I've always kind of believed like, hey, you know, Second Amendment, you have the right to, to bear arms, you know, you can go through, read all that shit. I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, the fact, like what kind of kills me a little bit with the Second Amendment is people forget a big part of that was the idea that, you know, you have to be ready to be called out as a militia. You know, so you had an obligation to train. Yeah. yeah, so you have the obligation to, to train. Not just be some fucking weirdo that collects guns in your house and looks at them and goes, oh, my precious. Mm-hmm. It's about the end of days, but yet you can't get up to fucking change your TV because yeah. you're fucking out of shape. And, um, you know, and like, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to own a weapon or you're going to own guns or you're going to be involved, like, you have to be proficient with the guns that you have and be in fucking shape. Like, being some fat, slovenly fucker that has 9,000 guns and a million rounds at home, somehow talking about the end of days and revolution, but yet you can't fucking walk across the street without having a heart attack. It's not what the fucking Second Amendment was about. It's yeah. It's like you have to be able-bodied individual that is drilled and used your weapon. So if there ever was a need to call out the militia of the people that defend the Constitution, you are able-bodied. That's the way I interpret that shit. And, yeah. I, and, and there's all, I'm sure we'll have some Second Amendment be like, no, it's your inalienable right. Well, you know what? Um, after and, and I, I always kind of believe that. And then after leaving that two day class, the um, the guy asked me, he goes, "Hey, have you learned anything in here?" And I was like, "Yeah, none of these people should own fucking weapons." And my view of the Second Amendment has completely changed for the mere fact that owning a weapon is not an alienable right; it is a privilege that you have to prove that you are not only um, able bodied but also competent enough to own a fucking weapon. Yeah, and, responsible and yeah, responsible individuals. So then we come back day two to shoot the guns. And, um, you know, we can basically got a qual with three weapons. It's a standard NRA qual, which is if you can't shoot that shit, you should fucking just put the gun in your mouth. 
and it was like shoot a three, seven, you know, go, go through. And, um, all of a sudden before he's like, Hey, you know, uh, go through checks, everybody's ear pro, eye pro, you know, I want you to, uh, you know, clear and make safe and get ready and basically put it up and, you know, once you rack your gun, I want you to put it on the, on the thing. So he, um, he goes clear and make ready. All of a sudden I hear this slap and then I hear, ah, and then I hear a fucking, uh, noise that sounded like the whole, like, uh, the standards, you know, like when you go into your deal, there's like, you know, standards on the side, like in your lane gets shooken. Like there's like a fight and I literally like step back and I see the instructor standing over the old man who purchased his gun 35 years ago and owns hundreds of guns and never fucking shot one. So we go in there and he goes to clear and make ready and like get his shit all set up to shoot. He goes to try to rack, put the mag in. He goes to rack it and he didn't get the mag in enough. So it basically kind of went in all cattywampus in this. Mm-hmm. And so he goes. It didn't see. Yeah. He didn't know how to clear and, and, and like clear his weapon. You drop the mag, I do this. You know, tap, mm-hmm. rack, roll. So what does he do? He goes, something's wrong. And he turns and he muzzle flashes all the people to his left and muzzle flashes the instructor. So the instructor all of a sudden standing behind him response. sees this as he's muzzle flashing, slaps the gun out of his hand, two-hand jacks the guy into the fucking table, laying on the ground practically in tears. I think he did tear, and he, like, he fucking totally shit himself. And literally, like, I step back, and the instructor is fucking yelling at him. And this old man, like, gets up, and he's like a dude in his 60s. And yeah. like, he fucking makes him sit down. He takes his guns, clears them, puts them over there, fucking takes them out, locks them up somewhere, and makes the dude sit there. And, like, I'm sitting there being like, holy fuck. And, like, and then my other favorite is half of the class could not shoot an NRA qual in qual. Like so an easy. It was a three, a seven, a ten. I mean, these were basic fucking an shots. An easy qual, yeah. rounds per weapon. Like, it was it was unfucking believable And I yeah. think that, like, in these stressful situations, and you see it all the time, I mean, as a police officer, everybody's a fucking, you know, Six foot tall, you know, fucking Olympic athlete, badass. You know, everybody's ready to, you know, they got 10 years fucking martial arts training at a Shaolin temple. And then a <laughs> situation, you hit them with tear gas or, or a taser. And next thing you know, they're crying. Like, uh, you know, like that was uh, one of my favorite ones. The guy asked me, he's like, hey, has anybody ever been pepper sprayed? I'm like, yes, I have. And it's the fucking worst experience of my life. It's really bad. Like really, really Wait, bad. Well, pepper spray, didn't you? What's that? Yeah, they fucking pepper spray him in the face. They pepper, yeah. So I got pepper sprayed first, uh, obviously, in my class. And then, uh, so you, the, the idea is that you're supposed to set an example in the way you behave and you, you can't curse. And so you go through a bunch of uh, kind of tactical things and, um, and you also are asked some criminal law questions. Um, and yeah, it, it sucks. It's, it's, it's really awful. And I would never, I would never tell anyone else in my class or at the Academy how bad it was, but it was, it was pretty bad. But, you know, you know, kind of to your point with all these crazies with, uh, with the guns and, you know, anytime you get into that niche community, you're going to have this, like, like you said, like end of the world type, uh, doomsday people. But, uh, to kind of draw back to some of my experiences and some things that these guys should go through, um, to, to understand where they're at. Cause they don't, I don't think those guys, like those guys just it, a lot of pistol enthusiasts, they don't understand where they're at in terms of their training. They have a lot of confidence, but it's not based on anything. And a lot of the scenarios that I went through were designed to make you fail. Uh, no matter how good you were at one given thing, the scenarios were designed to make you fail, whether it was to shoot a target that was not meant to be shot or to get your ass kicked or to make the wrong decision no matter what, no matter how well you were doing in the scenario, they would spin it so that you would keep going until you failed. And that is something that that stress teaches you uh, so much about where you're at, you know, like where you're at mentally, physically, tactically. And, uh, you know, when you think about these guys trying to get their CCW, it's like, how many of those guys really learned where they're at tactically, mentally making decisions based on shoot and no shoot scenarios? Like, I don't know. I just feel like the, a lot of certifications in general, whether it's strength and conditioning or it's, you know, shooting or whatever they're, they want to get people through. Right. But how many actually try to make you fail before they then uh, determine what sort of remediation needs to be done so that they're not just putting people out there for the sake of putting people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that's a, that was kind of a broad scope, a broad theme that I experienced and that's shit. There's no intensity, like just, 
failing. Next, write that down. Power Athlete Academy. Well, I mean, <laughs> um, uh, what, what I think we fail to realize is that the, you know, the magnitude of your decision and the situation you put yourself into will potentially, you know, end badly. I mean, that, that was the thing, you know, especially with uh, carrying a weapon. Like, I, I always wonder, is it better to need it? Or is it better to not have it to be able to avoid the situation? Like I would like, like that, that's kind of the the age old question. Like you're in a you know a bad situation, and all of a sudden something you know fucking terrible goes down, and all of a sudden you're like shit. It's better to be in that situation. Or the way I look at it is, um, you know, your single best defensive technique is fucking avoidance. You, you made a great point, and actually, that was uh, by far the best thing you said. Is like, dude, I was under stress, and like, there's always a new task there's always some new battle each day to, to come in with this mm-hmm. when you all of a sudden fall into this lull of being like well nothing's happened is when mm-hmm. shit happens mm-hmm. and, yeah and the, the hard thing is is you are in a major metropolitan area which you know with uh you know you not only have drugs you have gangs you have homeless you have crazies i mean you know uh like most people and i and i know this is really hard for a lot of people to justify and understand but people most people living on the street are not there voluntarily like they're not like choosing to fucking live on the street. Like as I drive and even in Costa Mesa, Newport Beach, as I drive to and from my house on 17, dude, I, at the stoplight, I see guys that are seriously mentally ill. I saw a guy the other day arguing with his shopping cart for the whole time I was at right. It was right on 17th where Luke yeah. sleeps. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, there's a, there, there was a black dude pushing a shopping cart and he stopped in the middle of uh, the intersection and proceeded to scream at his shopping cart like they were fucking high school buddies and they fucked him over on something. <laughs> I'm sitting there looking and being like, dude, like the idea, oh, they're just lazy. This it's, like, it's not true, man. This guy's mentally fucked up. Like, yeah. you know, so you're in a situation where all of a sudden a, you know, taxpayer person, you know, I call if this guy's doing this, you show up and you're, you know, uh, you know, you're going to apply the information that you've been taught within your training. And a big part of that is probably not dealing with fucking 5150 type people that are homeless, but yeah. like, that's a big thing in, you know, in uh, uh, Seattle. And now you have kids that are on the street from either runaways or drugs. I mean, you have all of these, you know, you got domestic abuse, you got drug driving. I mean, you have probably, if you were to sit down, you could almost figure out all the different type of things that you're going to encounter on a daily basis. And you will. And the funny thing is like, I had perceptions of the type of situations I'd be in. You think you know a situation? You don't. You don't know anything. You know. It's like so the, the age old Forrest Gump. Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> you never know. So, Callie, with that, do you? Let's go try to shift to training a little bit. Not, yeah. Start to understand the demands of your job, and like, do you see yourself shifting training style or getting totally. more into like martial arts and like self defense type type shit or what? Oh, Totally, totally. And I mean, everything from shooting to everything that I've learned through our training is I'm always analyzing it. I'm always analyzing, okay, like this feels like the universal athletic position, but I need to alter this because of this, you know, or my, whether it's my shooting platform or fighting stance or whatever. And yeah, the long and the short of it is, yeah, the, the training has changed and, um, not a ton because the, the fundamentals still apply, but, um, getting into more fighting and, uh, you know, I've been advised, like, I'm good on the ground. I'm good on ground fighting, but I'm not good at stand-up fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that I need to look into and, and do more training with. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where... You the and tech- Rousey. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It, <laughs> that's exactly right. Like I said, how many people, though, actually put, them in a situ- put themselves in a situation where, like, you're meant to fail, you know, and, and you feel that feeling, and it, you, it, you, let, you let that pain and that... Uh, uh, that humility, humility and that just embarrassment wash over you and it washes over you. And you just feel like there is nothing for me left to do, but to get better because mm-hmm. you can't, you're not resting on any laurels just because I'm strong and I am strong compared to a lot of people there, including like men and stuff that, that strength only gets you so far. Yeah. And, um, and what, just like we talk about, um, task specific, uh, strength and force, it's, it's very much the same thing. There's a lot of finesse involved and, um, reaction time involved and all that stuff. And so, yeah, the, the training shifts and I, I'm, I'm happy that I've been able to keep my training consistent, but what I've noticed is, uh, I I'm looking at it also from an injury prevention standpoint, since I, I realized based on my schedule, I work 3am to noon. I realized that my training is, 
I still train consistently, but the training quality isn't great. So it needs to be precise when I'm in there. And when I look at the injuries that I see from officers, people are not doing thoracic rotation regularly. And so when you have to react to something quickly or catch yourself because someone shoves you and you're all fucked up, you know, um, your body well, is off. It's, I mean, it's- uh, RJ, uh, you know, who's you know one of the, uh, the HP guys who worked with me, he was on a call and uh, this lady went to attack him and, you know, 120 pound lady. And she kind of like, he was kind of up against something. And when we took a step back, he tripped and he just fell and he shattered his forearm. Mm-hmm. It was like the, the weirdest thing that ever happened. And he's like, dude, I freak. Yeah. He's like, I just literally happened to hit it and I shattered my forearm. I mean, there's all those kind of situations, but I, I think the, um, you know, for, you know, for you, especially, uh, you know, not only to be able to, how to use your hands, but also how to create distance, which is another big thing with learning to fight. It's like, you know, like what kind of fighter are you would try to close the distance or keep distance away. But, um, the, uh, the one thing though, that I'm most interested in is not all this is your driving skills. Oh my God. Because I know. Evoc. What's the driving? Is your driving fall? Uh, like a driving? Yes. Oh, tell me. Dude, Evoc and John probably knows because he's probably done all this stuff, but I had Evoc at the Academy and then I had it after and our Seattle does it. It's emergency vehicle like operation stuff. And uh, yeah, so you go to the- Which is how I drive everywhere. Oh my God. I was so like prepped for it. It's not even funny. I was like, this is like baby games. You get through the car and you're like, I've seen John drift a 9,000 pound van. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, we're still on four wheels. Uh, You know, like I've been in a van that's been on like one wheel. Um, but yeah, they, they take you to the, the state patrol and those state patrol is like, you know, it's all, like I said, all the cliches like apply and it's just like the music from super troopers just going in my head. Like, you know, like the, 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 the baseline going, you know? And, but yeah, that's, it's a, you go, you spend three days out there. It's a lot of fun, but it is, it is stressful. So when it's time to test, I mean, you drive the entire time it's exhausting. And, um, but they have a skills course and then they have like, a super fast course that you got to run during the day and at night with the lights on there's parts where you have to quickly make a decision based on like a light that flashes so it's it's nuts we had one guy in our um in our class uh, crash a car in a tree um which was like the first time in like three or four years it's happened it was at nighttime um but he's he was okay it was like uh one of those um uh oh, the yeah the walking tree uh, and it was a charger that he crashed. So it was a pretty nice car actually. But, um, but yeah, like it, you know, I've never driven like 120 miles an hour. And then I did that one, you know, I went out there. That was pretty, pretty fun. No but the, what do you mean? Like 120 to like on surface streets or just like 120 ever? Ever. I've yeah. never driven that fast. I've never driven above like 70 miles you an hour. Van, have you ever gone to 80 in the van? Cause that speedometer is off. It, you've gone 80, you've gone 150. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, fa- my fastest in a enclosed vehicle was 186, and I was uh, holy smokes. I, I was on my twin. I, I used to when I had this other cool job playing in the NFL. I had way better toys. Boring. Uh, I was coming back from Miami, uh, back to Tampa, Alligator Alley, and I had this twin turbo Porsche. And I'm like, let's see what this bitch oh, can do. Could and literally, uh, the rev limiter hit me. I think at like 186, mm-hmm. and like Jeez. I was, I was on the the. I think I was talking to my mom maybe or something. I was like, I did 186. And she's like, you're talking no, about You know, I was listening. So I got one. And then um, Daytona in uh, 2006, um, we were down there. And my buddy had a twin turbo Hayabusa uh, with an air shifter. And I remember I laid on the tank and he had a little boost gauge on the, in the tank. And I laid down this big stretch Hayabusa and I get in and all of a sudden I'm like, and I hit the air shifter in fourth gear and I see the needle at 185 just pin drop. And as I did a pass, I was about over 200 on this electric speed. Oh, my God. See, you would have loved it. Like, oh, it's the best. It Dude, was there super cool. You to go in and drive as fast as you can, doing a bunch of obstacles, and fuck up somebody else's car. Yeah. And not I give a fuck, it. like, if you well, lose like the brakes. Or... Yeah, that's like what we do with rental cars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, like, exactly. Just drift around every, like, oh, yeah, fuck it. it's a license just, to drift. All, all of a sudden, you're hitting it, you're just, like, fucking hitting the e-brake and, like, four-wheel sliding and then pulling it out. But what's weird about, like, using the rental cars through CrossFit football is, like, it, it was only on, like, the last day where things started to get really crazy. And I'm like, why is the drive back to the airport? It's, like, the most exciting drive for either Luke or Tex or whatever. Maybe not so much Tex, but definitely Luke 
it, it's like the one last opportunity to potentially wreck the thing. And so every turn has to be like, like 50 miles an hour around a turn into a parking garage. Uh-huh, and yeah. I just, I don't even fully understand. Like, you know, we're going to turn this thing in right now. And it's like, yeah, but like, well, the, they're the company policy at CrossFit football when one last job. is no brakes. Yeah. So you, you're not allowed to use the brakes. Dude, so my, my favorite is uh, actually I was with Tex one time in his, uh, Lucky Charms mobile, and because it's uh, it looked like purple horseshoes, you know, green ladders, and all, it was all these different colors. And uh, we had uh, I, I had to make the flight, and so I jump in, and Texas literally like, I'm like pull over, I'm driving, and I realize that it started raining, and Texas tires were a little bald. So all of a sudden I punch it, and we don't go anywhere. Then all of a sudden it's like, and I'm like, oh yes, bald tires. So at that point we were four wheel sliding everywhere. It was great. Oh my god, yeah, these I, the, some of these dudes are gonna have a hard time reining it in because in Seattle. I mean, it's just, this is downtown. Like you're not, yeah, gonna be, yeah. you're not going to be like operating at that, at like high speed, unless you're like going to hit a pedestrian or like another car or something. But uh, I'm actually, I'm actually a pretty decent driver compared to some people there. Like maybe that's it's because I'm, I'm older. <laughs> I know. That's I'm okay. Scary. Well, what kind of car are you driving these days? I mean, we know that that uh, Cannondale you had. I believe it's a <laughs> Jeep Liberty, right? Yeah. Didn't you get a Jeep Liberty? Yeah, I did. I got a Jeep Liberty. In fact, uh, gas. Uh, it's gas. It's oh. gas. I think it only yeah, is a gas engine. No, they make a diesel in a gas Liberty. No, and, not uh, a Liberty. That's like no, an Explorer. No, they make a diesel gas Liberty. Fact checking and, this right uh, now. They make a diesel gas Liberty, and I'm pretty sure that we have some performance modifications for that over the shop. Diesel Jeep Liberty. Oh, it's kind uh, of my car is sweet though. It's a, yeah, I got a no, John story it's, checks it's got out. A 2.8 liter diesel motor. Uh, it puts out like when is it? Uh, 160 horsepower but it has like a pretty gnarly amount of torque. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, do you ever want to get a diesel? <laughs> well, you know, I actually really like my vehicle. I, I got a, a manual, which was like a lot cheaper than the automatics. And like it had a couple thousand miles on it. And uh, Perfect. the weird thing is we were going over the history of the vehicle. And this was a bit of a, a Nana McQuilkin's roommate uh, situation because it was apparent that this person had unfortunately passed shortly after... I didn't ask any questions, but, uh, but I, I was like that one man's, I don't know, uh, uh, issue is, is my benefit because it was like sold super cheap and like super on a, on a real quick, uh, notice. One man's so, coffee you know, is another's Jeep Liberty. Cap, Cap, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> the press, you didn't let me buy you a car. I was looking for a diesel oh, yeah. you can uh, still love that. pickup truck. I wanted to find her a love truck. You guys want to Google love truck? What the hell is a love truck? Look it up. A diesel love. Okay, I'm gonna do it. LUV. Oh, LUV. LUV. Yeah, it's called love. Chevy love. Love truck. Is this a? uh... All right. Okay, I get it. Chevy love truck. They come in diesels. Those are cool looking. That bitching. I always, I I always thought that that would have been the most ideal car for you driving around. Me. They get like 50 miles to the gallon, and I think we got some performance upgrades for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It looks like a truck hoopty. It looks like a... It's like a mini truck. Yeah, it reminds me of like... 15 in the trunk. <laughs> it reminds me of the Kill Bill, like, pussy wagon. <laughs> Another very talented, fun car. I, you know, I just don't imagine him driving around with that paint on the side. <laughs> so what else we got? Uh, well, my wife had a baby. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah that's about, oh yeah. yeah I went and saw, I went and saw the, the little guy yesterday. He's on, uh, isn't he doing the small off program or something like he every day? Yeah, no, he, um, you know, uh, some of the methods might be condoned as a little extreme, but uh-huh. you know, I think it'll pay dividends. Um, you know, he, uh, he actually crawled five feet yesterday, which is, uh, you know, set his, his PR for being 10 days old. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, uh, babies as early as a few minutes old can actually crawl. And, you know, I've designed, and I'll show, at some point I'll put this in the book, but there's actually crawling tracks, which are these little deals that I made. Uh, You know, Jesse Gray helped me make them, and, like, we put them in there, and he, like, chills in there, and he actually is pretty good at crawling. Um, You know, babies, if you ever see them, when they're first born, they move their hands and feet, and they're trying to find, like, orientation in space. And then what do people do? They swallow the fuck out of the kids, and they can't move, and then they wonder why... You know, like at some point, so, um, you know, just off of some research I did, you know, giving the baby the opportunity to crawl. And I had him down there yesterday, and not only was he able to lift his head and look around, but he's able to crawl. And we started working on rolling over, and, you know, and then also I lay him on his back, and he holds my fingers, and he can actually hold 
um, himself and I can actually pull him up into a sit up position. Now his head still bobbles, but he's working on that. And so, um, so John, I got to ask you some questions about this. This is very interesting, but do you like, is, is having a baby ever boring though? Are you ever just like, okay, like, can we just fast forward like a couple of years? I mean, um, you know, yeah, there was definitely like a part where they don't really move and do anything. And they're kind of just like, like <laughs> sleep all day okay. yeah. and they poop a lot. Um, but uh, like as a first time father, you just kind of like, don't really know that. And you're like, I oh, mean, I hope it gets better one of these days. <laughs> but your daughter's turned like four years old and like, you're like trying to have philosophical conversations with them or you sit there and they watch as they were calling Luke, their favorite thing is they call Luke the stick in the mud. And they accuse, uh, they, they just are like, Luke's a stick in the mud. Because John, when I'm not around, is talking about how boring I am and how <laughs> negative I am. He's a real stick in the mud. You don't understand. Like, he's got to vent to somebody. And, and, and so, mm-hmm. uh, the kids are just like. Mm-hmm. And so the best is uh, I have the kids, and, and all, the whole deal is I'm programming them. So when they see Ashley, they can tell Ashley these things. Uh-huh. And so uh, they, I, I told the girls that Luke sleeps at work all day. So they're like telling Ashley. <laughs> Luke doesn't work. He sleeps all day at work and he's a stick in the mud. And then Ashley's like, yeah. you sleep all day at work? He's like, what? Ashley gets back to you. <laughs> John's so, just drinking a beer, laughing, eating chips. Yeah. So the, uh, blast. uh, so it, it's pretty interesting to see the dynamics, um, around them, like seeing like kind of the, uh, like their, uh, like, I guess you could say like the learning process to me is really fascinating. So mm-hmm. there's no part of it. That's really boring. Sure. Uh, the only part that's really fucking boring is the repetitive, um, kind of discipline stuff like like and then this is what I think like growing up like the minute you become a parent you realize this that parents don't really want to discipline their kids but like it's one of those things where it's like I didn't want to do it but I felt I owed it to them like that that's like a big thing like it's so much easier just to be their friend and just let them whatever the fuck they want to do and like I don't care just fucking let's just have a good time and just go watch some movies and like eat chips all day that's what I want to do. Well, that's, that's why I want to be. That's what every parent wants to do. But the then I'll have is, true friends. Yeah. Is but then you, you <laughs> get involved in this shit and you realize that that's not fucking helping them at all. Because you know what? Like I, I, I did this little thing where uh, I, you know, uh, I did this kind of offline deal where I just started interviewing just different people that I respected and had good information. And one of the one thing I never, I never got your email. That's weird. <laughs> uh, I got you. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm working around. <laughs> Uh, but the, the one thing that was universal to a lot of the people that were, you know, Olympic athletes, very successful, you know, fortune 500 business guys, uh, you know, super successful people was, uh, not one of them. Every one of them said, my parents were really hard on me and expected a lot. Um, that was like the universal thing. And then also I met, um, you know, uh, you know, I just remember sitting there rapping with some other people. This was one time I was at a uh, Alta cafe you guys know Alta. And Alta was a big meeting place for a lot of the um, kids that were, you know, within like the, you know, uh, uh, AA programs, they meet their sponsors. And I remember uh, sitting at Alta one time doing some work and this kid was over there talking to his sponsor. And I remember his, like, it was weird. Like the, the sponsor who had obviously been sober made a point. He said, you know, if only, uh, um, you know, if only my parents had been a little harder on me. I think I could have avoided some of these things. And the kid was like, yeah, you know, my parents just, really just never really seemed to care. And so I was constantly doing things to get their attention and it just started escalating. And like at that point, I remember thinking like, God, that's really, really meaningful. And so, uh, you know, I tried to explain to the girls, I was like, Hey, uh, you know, Dada doesn't want to do this, but uh, I have a responsibility to make sure that you guys get to where I need you to go. And so uh, I can't budge an inch because if I give up at all or I break or we give up one day, then I have basically done you a disservice. Mm-hmm. Like they looked at me and like no concept of what this crazy old man's talking about. <laughs> you will, you well, will. Yeah. Well, like, you know, at some point, you'll, you know, and I like the, the age old, like at some point you'll thank me for this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're, you're an ass. And you're like, well, you know what? Like, that's the weird thing. Like, uh, you know, and the other one is I think like kids are pretty sharp and like parents are sometimes oblivious. And the one thing I, I, I told them is like, I've seen everything. I've done everything. He will never get anything by me. I fucking know. Like I know mm-hmm. what's going on. Like I'm, believe me, I was, as like deviant a fucker as you'll ever be around. And I was ahead of the game and I know, I know what's going on. And then the other thing too is, um, you know, which we've seen really a lot in Newport beach is parents are extremely uninvolved because they're so focused on themselves and their career and this. I mean, I meet people all the time. Nobody has any fucking time for anything. I'm not time, time for this. I'm like, you got to get out of there. Gotta get right? out. You have a cell phone, you have a computer, you have a personal assistant, you have a fast car, you have internet, you have all of these things. Black license plate. Black license plate in your car. 
And then guess who else is going to get one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I will never get it. Unless yeah. I buy an original car that was built in the 60s in California, it's the only way I'll have a black plate car. So that's what you're going to do. <laughs> as soon as we're done with this. Yeah, spot. I'm going, I've been looking. No, it's, it's just, it, okay, so the age old thing, and this is what is so true in, in where we live, is that everybody's in such a hurry that people effectively neglect their kids. Like, case in point, um, I took my daughter to gymnastics the other day, and do you know how many kids were in there with their nannies? I don't even want to know. John, you know how this pains me to hear this shit. Like knowing your parents are there and involved is really all the kids need. Like, like they don't need like too much shit. Like there, there isn't any kid that's like, man, if only I had more toys when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Right? Like nobody says that. Like nobody's like, yeah, you know, if only we had a pool at our house, I would have lived the childhood I wanted. Nobody fucking says that shit. But you know what? All these kids are like, you know what? My parents were never around. My parents were never interested. And like nothing I did ever mattered and never got their attention. Mm -hmm. So you know what? Like that is a deal. Whereas you meet kids all the time. They were like, honestly, uh, my parents let me fail. But if I looked, they were always in the stands. They were always Mm -hmm. there to support me. They were always there. Like, like, um, you know, never to like, if I'm tired, you come on, be like, let's sit down, let's draw, let's do homework. Like, what do you guys got? Like, I'll, I'll work on this. Like you guys have a little project. I'll do it. Like, um, you know, share day. On Fridays, let's make something every sh- every Thursday night. We'll make something for Friday share. And a lot of times, I bomb the fuck out. Like I tried to like engrave different things. Like they they have all these rocks. My daughters collect rocks. <gasps> oh, you guys! I forgot to give you a you know yeah. a full tour, but there's a, quite a few rocks in here. <laughs> so so they but but my daughter collects rocks, and so I, <gasps> she wanted me to carve things. So I got out the Dremel and was like carving words yeah. on the rocks. But I got to find a better Dremel because my Dremel wasn't able to dent it. But uh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk to you about my Dremel. The wrong rock. Well, <laughs> well they, they were flat stones, but Jamie has all these fucking rocks. Yes. So, like, uh, the, like, those are the things that are important with having kids. And it's like, I, you know, like you, you go and you think about, like, like, it's not the stuff. It's the experience of doing things. It's not the fact that we have a pool. Like, I didn't build a pool to have a pool. I built a pool because I wanted the opportunity to go swimming with my kids and have them know that memory, like, Every time we jumped in the pool, my dad would literally pick me up and cannonball me off the wall. This is another thing that I, I read a lot about is uh, the, uh, the contrast between free play and organized play. Mm-hmm. So uh, you guys know what free play is where you basically just like put your kids in a situation and just ignore them and like let them come up with their own shit on how to entertain themselves. Right. right. And so like, like my daughters go outside and like the other day I told you they collected rocks and were making geometric shapes in the back or they create these elaborate games and I just kind of hang out like kind of peripheral and I kind of just watch and kind of just listen and I'll like fuck around on my computer just kind of so they don't think I'm involved but I'm watching. And it's always amazing to see the level and the complexity of what they're creating is fucking unbelievable to me. And so they, you know, they come up with these complex games. They do all these things opposed from me organizing uh, practice, play dates here. We're going to go like all of these things. Dictating, all that stuff, yeah. So kids never have to really uh, think for themselves or develop creativity. Like I give them paper, like just blank paper and crayons. And I'm like, create. I don't like, we have coloring books and they can color in between the things, but we, I make sure that it's half coloring book, half just blank paper. I don't want them always coloring in somebody else's work. I want them to create their own stuff. Or what I do is I sit down and I draw something and I make them color in for me. And then I color with them all the time. So I have my coloring books and then they can help me. And like, it's one of those things where it's important. Like like the, uh, you know, the developmental stuff is so good. And, and it's just like, there's so much to learn every day that um, I would never say being a parent is boring in any way. Um, Okay. If, uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I like they, um, the other day we had a big long conversation on the drive about uh, what kind of, what kind of cars they want when they turn 16. <laughs> and so uh, Kelly wants a truck and Jamie wants a Camaro. So they were like, Oh, nice. we, we only like old cars. And then they're also, uh, you You'll know, get what you get. Well, you they tell. also hear me yell at people because like, the one thing I can't do is drive slow. So like, I'm always like, Oh, bad driver driving slow. So then they'll be like, yeah, you don't drive slow. These people are bad drivers. <laughs> They're going to get in the car and be like, all oh, you are bad driver. But uh, case in point, um, it's uh, really exciting to have a son. Uh, you know, I never really thought much about it until he actually came out. And then I, I kind of looked and was like, this is awesome. Like uh, the girls get to have a brother. Um, you know, we get to have a little boy. I get to have, you know, you know multiples of each. And, uh, um, you know, the, uh, 
definitely like it's kind of a really just interesting seeing uh, a child at like two weeks old and then realize like who is this person going to grow into and Mm -hmm. the person he grows into is directly related to how the experience he has in relationship to me and my wife and the environment Mm -hmm. like looking around and being like shit man like well, it's time. I mean, it's it, what's exciting is we finally get to enact Operation Bill Bill Brasky, where we try to create Bill Brasky out of Cash Wellborn, yeah. a six foot, uh, six foot eight giant who can palm a medicine ball. Yeah. And finally, bullets. You well, know? well, the other one is is Luke and I sat down. We game plan this. Mm-hmm. Like, if you could design or basically give opportunity to a child with one singular goal in terms of how to slay the most amount of ass possible. Is that what all the charts on the whiteboard behind you are? It's for? right here, yes. This so, is actually <laughs> sat down. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, He would have to not only be well-read, well-spoken, mm-hmm. uh, but be creative and be able to, you know, art and, like, understand that aspect, but also be able to play the guitar really proficiently, lift weights and Fuck be that. And Start a fire. Real, yeah, and like, be, it has to be, like, an outdoorsman, yeah. have to have survival. Grow reasonable facial hair. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no, the beard is it's, going out. No, I think it's an important, it's an important ability. You don't have well, yeah. to do it. So, so like all of a sudden he's like, you know, 16, 17 years old. He's not only he's creative, uh, he's also in really good shape and like a good athlete, but also is really good on the guitar mm-hmm. and uh, is generally just a really nice kid where the type of people be like, wow. So like, here, <laughs> let me, let me, let me put this. I'll see you up. in 16 years. So let's, say, let's say he's in a, in a summer <laughs> camp and there's a, a bus full of students and the bus breaks down, gets a flat. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, oh, let me pop under the hood. Boom, boom, boom. And he's like, uh, oh, shit, you know, it looks like the, the fucking timing belt is out. And, uh, oh, shit, one of the pulleys is cracked. But uh, don't worry. He takes his shirt off, like DJ Muscle Boy style, changes the fucking tire, so rips it off, right? Goes to get the spare tire. There's no spare tire. And he's like, shit, we're going to have to camp out. He's like, it's all right. I'll make us some, uh, some shelter. And builds mm-hmm. a fucking bunch of shelters and shit. Starts a fire. And he's like, good thing I brought my guitar to keep morale up. Start- yeah. Dave Matthews band or whatever gets the girls going, right? And then it's like, oh, you're going to love this. And then starts to do some fucking backflips and shit and then quotes poetry. And next thing you know, you have like a hero that is Cash Wellborn. Oh, my God. For that. What are we missing here, Kelly? As the female <laughs> of the group, I feel like you could provide us some input on maybe some gaps we need yeah. to close. I mean, he can have small hands. That's a real big pet peeve. <laughs> At least uh, from a woman's standpoint, they notice stuff like that. That's just, that's not something he can really control, though. So well, just, he's going to be my son, and he also has the biggest hands and feet that they'd ever seen as a baby. Okay, that's good. And, and we also have Dr. Tom. He's got supplements for that. Just in, like, worst case scenario. <laughs> well, well, well so, so, so when we, we just went out and visited the mad scientist, and he's like, oh, he goes, oh, it's great, you know, the son. And so I, uh, after we have the boy, he's like, when are you guys coming out? You know, I'd like to get some blood testing done early on the baby. It's like, nice. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and then uh, Tom was like, yeah, it'd be great. What if we could maximize mineral supplement ratio and food and these kind of different things? Oh, my God, stop from it. such a young age, we might be able to develop the perfect human. And I was oh, like, my God. Oh, I'm in. I already got the girl's genetic tested through the fitness genes. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. And he's like, you know, think about the amount that you know about training. Uh, think about all the shit that we went through, all the hard knocks that you now have this opportunity to put together. This poor kid. He's going to have this crazy <laughs> uncle. For you. It's going to be a great experience. Think, think about how his crazy uncles. He's got Uncle Tom. Oh, dude. Right? He's got Uncle Brewer, Uncle Dave. Right, um, uh, and uh, all, all these just wh- wacky dudes being like, um, you know, involved in his life, and he's gonna be like, man, my dad and his friends were insane, and I loved him. He's gonna basically be Jason Bourne. He's not even a no, but we're programming him from a young age. Yeah, sure. just effortlessly awesome and everything that he does. So I don't I know who I am. I don't know where I used to be, but I know the nine license plates in the parking lot right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know that at this altitude, I can run for seven minutes flat. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, and you know, it's surprising. I could weld and fix shit too, which mm-hmm. would be cool, you know? So he, um, but no, it's, uh, but all of that shit would be great. But if uh, all he wants to do is just, you know, fucking yeah, make paintings, make paintings, then you know what? Then fuck, then you support him. And you love him. It was a gift, Todd. <laughs> you know what though? It's, it's, it's like, I think as a parent, uh, you know, like at least I look at it, like you want, you just want your kids to be happy and live a, live a fruitful, like great life. And yeah. I think, like, the problem becomes is that for a lot of people, I think they try to 
like right the wrongs and like their their personal shortcomings they try to like relive and like fix them for Overcompensate. their children yeah. so like this is where i was wrong so you're going to succeed where i didn't so that i somehow am able to glean some fucking satisfaction from it and like somebody asked me about that i'm like dude uh what like if my son doesn't play in the nfl then who what like is is that a life less done like i mean like I, you know like i could see if like I didn't, you know, suck at high school football and my goal was to be a football player. And so now my son was good in high school. I would like, you know, like, but at the end of the day, like, you know, is, is his life going to be any less rich? And I think, um, you know, just wanting your kids to be healthy and happy and live a, you know, good life and, you know, you know, and, and have some of the experience that I've had and, you know, be able to long, a, a you know, a, a good existence is really kind of all you can hope for for your children. So- Luke, is this inspiring you and Ashley to to just throw your hat into the ring and get another dog? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's a big responsibility. I got no time for your jibba jabba. But like you know, at at the same right, I think uh, uh, you know, like people that you know, and and you meet people like I don't really want to have kids, and I'm like, then you shouldn't. Like, like Mm -hmm. I, 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 if 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 that's not the you know, if if that's not what you want to do, and because. The one thing that I will say having kids is uh, you can't be selfish and have kids. And if you are selfish and have kids, then you probably like, there's a lot of selfish people that have kids. And then the problem is, is that the they shit get gets nanny. neglected. Yeah. They get an nanny or, you know, it's like, it's like how many people do you know have dogs and then like realize like this is going to be a lot of work and they just fucking send the dog to the pound. That's yeah. Like, I know a lot of people like that, unfortunately. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know what? Like if you're that type of person that's going to give a dog away, then don't have a fucking dog. Yeah, I would never give my dog away. I would never buy that puppy. And when he when he grew up, I'm like, ah, I, I don't. I only like him as a puppy, and I give him away. Fuck those people. You know, it's funny that I, I had the same conversation uh, with my dad recently, and I just said I almost feel guilty because I don't have a dog, I don't have kids or anything like that. And he's like, listen. I said, I feel really selfish. And he said, it's, it's only selfish if you have those things and then you prioritize yourself over those things, you know. Sure. And just, uh, just realize same. who you are. Yeah. Last words, Bill Hensman. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, but, but that's <laughs> yeah. It, it's selfish if if you're trading on them, but like if if you don't have the time to do these things, it's like the, you know you meet all these people being like, well, we had 14 kids and you know we couldn't put shoes on them, and you're like, oh, the juggers. Is that who they are? Be like, okay, well, that's sad they couldn't have shoes, but why the fuck couldn't? Did you have 14 kids? Right. Like, we had to hold like, the fields like that. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's selfish. I'm like, dude, I, I, you know, like I'd be like, Oh, you know, we had 14 kids in my family and this, and you know, we, we, we couldn't afford to eat and that's the drive. Well, that's great. We had all these shoes and no but kids. You know what? You shouldn't have had 14 kids. <laughs> you overshot the shoes, John. Right. Like, but I mean, to me, I, I think that's the weird selfish part is like, you know, and being like, well, or use a condom or go get fixed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like we were just banging it out. Next thing you know, we had all these kids. We're like, fucking hey, dude. I don't know anyone like that though. I mean, but is like, that a TV show or well, something? Well, no, but I, I mean like, I, I, you know, you see these things. They all exist. And like they exist and it's like, dude, like, um, like, you almost like you only have 24 hours in a day, you know, like you got to sleep, you got to eat, you got to, you know, try to do enough that you don't lose your own fucking sanity. And then, you know, that you add things as you have time and the ability to, if you don't have time for these things, it's not selfish. It's selfish to want them and not be able to give time for them. It's just realistic. If you're like, Oh, I'm sad. I don't have a dog. And being like, well, I don't have time for a dog. So then right. it's yep. age all day or I got a dog walker and all that shit. Yeah. It's not, it's not right. What other, what, so like, I know we're running long, but I just need to hear if there's any other gossip that I'm missing out on. I mean, like we did have a dude stop by not too long ago that I guess, uh, was, uh, uh, secretly dating Miss Hinsman and he was coming around kind of heartbroken. Wanted to know you get in touch with who? Some guy that you were, I guess. Oh, you want me, you're, oh, this is a game where I'm supposed to tell you who it is. No, we had a guy come over. Who was literally was like, oh, I was trying to get in touch with Callie. Uh, we used to see each other a little bit when she was here in Newport Beach. That's a, fuck, that's a fucking lie. That's true. We, we had this kind of young gentleman ask the, you know, didn't leave any forwarding addresses, nothing, how to get a hold of Miss Hinsman. The guy was, oh. uh, we gave him an address and phone number. The <laughs> <laughs> guy was kind of weepy. I guess he had some throwaway phone, some Google voice number you were giving him, but. 
he just came around with tears in his eyes. Just like, uh, listen, if I had a dollar, I, I just can't keep up. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's um, why I had to leave town. I was running short of resources. There's a drought in California. Some, something about, uh, you know, I left my heart in Newport Beach. Kind of oh, yeah. Like, well, Kelly, when are you going to be able, are, are we going to do like a field trip? Is Power Athlete going to come to Seattle? Are you coming to, where you, what's the deal? Didn't you, didn't you say you guys have a seminar up here? In, yeah, I booked one with Zach. Uh, in, or it's, it's waiting, it's all well, or whatever. Was it, was it a, a catalyst? Was that a mistake email that you said? That no, like- I've been dealing with them before that. That was so oh, okay. funny. And then one thing I do have to say, which is totally off subject, but I told Andy, I would say, because Tex, uh, we had bitched while being in the UK uh, about shitty breakfasts. So after St. Patrick's Day, like there's one thing Tex and I needed, just maybe because it was a late night, maybe one too many is. And it was like, we needed a proper fucking breakfast. Mm-hmm. So there's a story I forgot while we were out there. And Andy took us to this fucking place and straight up hooked us up with a heaping plate of food. It was fucking perfect. My God. But, uh, so yeah, but I'd been Good. dealing with Zach before that. And then like, I don't know how that fucking email got up and whatever. But uh, no, so we'll be out there. Like, it's so hard coming from CrossFit football to a job where, yeah, you actually like have strict vacation time and... Uh, and honestly, like the sleeping thing too, it takes, it takes like a while to recover from just 3 a.m. to noon type work and stuff. But also since you've left, we've, uh, we've enacted an official vacation policy here. You well. have not. Yeah, no, no. So like when you get back from vacation, you have to let the other person know you were on vacation. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> where the fuck were you? I was on vacation. Oh, okay. Oh, all there. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But uh, that's not no problem. All right, see you guys. All right, bye. Bye, Tex. Bye, later. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Don't forget to follow everything Power Athlete by finding us on Instagram under the name at Power Athlete HQ. And also be sure to head to trainheroic.com to find the latest training programs coming out of Power Athlete HQ. Whether your goal is speed, power, strength, or daily grind, we have a program free of fluff that will get you there. Training for performance is what we do. Until next time, bye!